Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello once again to our friends in the UK, Ireland, and Scotland, and Canada, and Mexico, and everywhere. Now, I don't know who all's watching on Sky Sports. The folks in the UK, Ireland, and Scotland are, and we appreciate that very much. We appreciate Shereen Williams for a second day in a row. Her new home studio, isn't it great? to be able to be on TV without having to get in your car and leave your house. I do not take that for granted. I love it very much, no matter how much Chris Sims is trying to disrupt my life by getting me to move to Connecticut. So I would have to go out on a cold morning. I would have to get in my car. I would have to do something other than, you know, walk down a hall, go up a flight of steps and do this. So, uh, Shereen, I'm glad you can do the same thing. And uh, welcome. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me again, Mike, and let me sit in Chris's seat and Aggie sit in a Longhorn seat. So that says something, I think. Yeah, that de- well, that definitely says something, and uh, that that is definitely a, a little rivalry we need to stoke more. We need to get you on on a day when Chris is on, and just kind of let <laughs> nature take its course as it relates to the Aggies versus the Longhorns. The that was the first college football rivalry I was ever aware of because they used to play on Thanksgiving night, and to me that was such a big deal. Texas and Texas A&M. I mean. You know, that was the one that stood out for me way back when, when I first discovered football. All right, we've discovered an interview with Miles Garrett, the Browns defensive end, who has been reinstated. Reinstated Wednesday, interviewed by ESPN on Thursday. And as part of this new interview, Miles Garrett doubles down on his claim that Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback, used a racial slur in the moments preceding Miles Garrett removing the helmet of Mason Rudolph and whacking him over the head with it. And uh, look, and let's be clear on this. 
Garrett has made the accusation in the past. This is the first time he's made it publicly. In the past, it was at his appeal hearing. And he supposedly wasn't happy that it got out. This time, he reiterated it. He repeated it. He got into details about what was said. He said initially he tried to walk away. Rudolph kept coming. That's when he kind of blew a fuse. Um, Look, Shireen, I got two things to say about this. First, first, if you really don't want to use it as justification for what you did, why are you talking about it at all? Why is it part of the interview? Why isn't it part of the ground rules with ESPN? I don't want this coming up. I don't want you asking me about the racial slur that I claim Mason Rudolph used. I don't want that to be part of this discussion. I, I, I think they're trying to have it both ways. They want him to be able to say, well, this really isn't justification, but they want people who hear it to say, well, that's justification because I'd have done the same thing if the guy used that word to me. So they're, they're walking a very fine line here when it comes to, on one hand, saying, I don't believe it's justification for what I did. and I don't want people to think I'm saying that to at the same time, hoping in a roundabout way that people hear that and say, yes, it justifies what he did. Yeah, and it, it is not going to justify, no matter what he says, no matter what he heard, nothing is going to justify his actions. And that's what Tony Dungy said, uh, you know, when you talk to, to him. It doesn't matter what was said to him. You have to keep your cool. You can't act like that. That's the first time I think that we've seen an act really go over the total edge like that. I know Nadama Kansu did something, stomped on Andre Girard's head and things like that. But this, to me, was just completely and totally over the top, something we had never seen before and hopefully never see again. And no matter what was said, no matter what was done, you cannot do that on a football field or elsewhere. And if it was elsewhere, he'd be in jail right now. And actually, it was Ndamukong Sue stomping on the arm of Evan Dietrich Smith and accidentally stepping on the calf of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it was Albert Hainsworth who stomped on the okay, helmetless yeah. head of Andre Garrod and got suspended five games for that. That had been the most egregious thing we'd seen. But even this, swinging that helmet, I'm still amazed that Mason Rudolph wasn't injured. And if he had been injured, it would have been far worse than six games for Miles Garrett. But it was one of the most shocking on-field displays we've ever seen. And... Tony Dungy, I was surprised when he shared his views with me because, look, I, I, on one hand, I'm saying, well, Mason Rudolph should not be using language like this. But on the other hand, on a football field, you got to be ready to hear anything. And that's what Tony Dungy said. Here is Coach Dungy from the November 24th edition of PFT Live. I'm sorry. I don't have sympathy with Miles Garrett if, in fact, that is what happened. If we're on the bottom of the pile and Mason Rudolph is kneeing you in the groin or he's trying to poke your eye out or he's twisting your knee, something that's going to affect your ability to do your work and your career, then, yeah, you can go off. But you can't go off because somebody said something to you. All kinds of things get said out there on the field. I can't go off and jeopardize my team's chances to go to the playoffs, my career, my ability to make money because somebody called me a name. I don't care what name he, he said. That is not an excuse to me. And Coach Dungy later added that this is an issue that Miles Garrett should have taken up with Mason Rudolph after the game. Let's have a conversation about this inappropriate language you're using. Or, and, and this is my thought, take it to the officials. We see players complain to the officials all the time. I'm being held. I'm being interfered with. He's grabbing at me. He's pulling at me. Did you see what he did? Did you see what he did? He took, a, he took a swing at me. They do that all the time. And several years ago, the NFL made it clear that any type of slurs would be dealt with. So you say to the official, do you hear what this guy said to me? And you deal with it that way. You don't 
take the law into your own hands. You don't rip the guy's helmet off and hit him over the head with it. And Shireen, this leads to the other point that I wanted to make. And this is something you mentioned yesterday. And we can now underscore it, highlight it, circle it, put it in red, put it in yellow, put it in every color possible because he's going to hear it more. He is good and right or wrong. And I don't think guys should be using this language on the field, but the reality is he's going to be hearing everything in the book. He's going to be hearing stuff about his mother, about his sister. If he has one, he's going to be hearing it nonstop because by him, we already knew that he was going to be baited incessantly, but this interview takes it that next step farther. It's clear that you can say things that will get under his skin. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, guys are going to go at him relentlessly trying to get that 15-yard penalty, trying to get him kicked out of the game. And look, he had a lot of 15-yard penalties last season, and most of them were for late hits on quarterbacks. But they're going to be trying to get him to do things. And do you not think the officials are going to be watching his every move? Absolutely they are. Anything he does that's even barely over the line, he's going to get a penalty for. So this is... This is going to be something he's going to have to deal with from now on in his career. It's not a, it's a stain that's not going away. It's just going to be there with, for, with him uh, for the rest of his career. Officials are going to be watching him. Players are going to be trying to bait him, whatever. He's got to learn to keep his cool. And hopefully he's had some help in learning how to do that because it's obvious he can't do that on his own. Well, and here's the other side of it, Shereen. If the officials are going to be watching everything he says and does and how he reacts to what players on the opposing team say to him I think it's incumbent on the officials to listen to how over the top the other players are in their handling of and treatment of Miles Garrett if it really is this free-for-all now where you've got everybody on the opposing team constantly uh, hurling insults and using slurs and expletives at Miles Garrett at a certain point you've got to protect Garrett from this onslaught especially since the NFL several years ago did begin this process. Remember, there was a fine of Colin Kaepernick at one point for using the N-word during a game. Um, And there have been other players who have been accused of using it. There have been officials who have been accused of using it. But I think that the tools are there for the officials to protect other players from Miles Garrett physically, but also to protect Miles Garrett from excessive verbal abuse aimed at getting him to blow a fuse. Well, and, and Miles just needs to stop talking at this point. He said what he's needed to say. He needs to quit talking about this and move on and, and get things together and, and start getting ready for next year and not worry about what was done then. Let's worry about what we can do now to not have this happen again. And again, I, I think I hope that he went and got some help and, and had some therapy and learned how to use that aggression that he has. It's what makes him a really good player. He had 10 sacks in 10 games last year. He has 30 and a half in his career. He's a really good player, but he's got to learn to use that aggression for him and not against him, which we've seen way too many times in his career so far. I mean, it's obvious to me the decision to sit down with ESPN yesterday was a strategic move that I think had been in the works for a long time. He was going to sit down with Jay Glazer of Fox right after the incident. Somebody pulled the plug on that, either Garrett's camp or the Browns or a little bit of both. They didn't want to say anything that could or would have been used against him by the league. So once he's free and clear to get back in, that's when he tells his story. And again, I don't buy the idea that now he may think it doesn't justify what he does, or he may think that's what he needs to say, but 
telling this story and continuing to harp on the notion that a slur was uttered is the kind of thing that will get some people to say, well, now I understand why he did what he did. All right. Mason Rudolph was playing quarterback in that game because Ben Roethlisberger exited week two of last year and did not play again. Steelers GM Kevin Colbert, who recently signed a contract to remain with the team, said that Roethlisberger is due to get another checkup on his surgically repaired elbow in L.A. next Friday. But the prognosis is positive. All signs are good. We're hopeful he can make a complete recovery. The Steelers also don't think Ben Roethlisberger is at the end of the road. Shereen, my concern is more general. We've seen Ben Roethlisberger as he gets closer to 40. His body is beginning to maybe break down a little bit. It was the elbow last year. My concern generally going into 2020 is what is it going to be this year, given all the years of physical abuse he's taken, all the injuries, all the hits, everything, and and the guy's not on the TB12 plan. And we saw it happen to the elbow last year. I'm just curious what else is going to pop up as soon as this season. Well, and what Kevin Colbert wouldn't answer yesterday was whether Ben Roethlisberger had Tommy John surgery. So it sounds like he had Tommy John surgery. And we've seen baseball pitchers come back for, from this a lot. I mean, it's it's pretty common in baseball, and, and they come back. But it generally takes a long time to come back. So this offseason, we're going to get to see really where he is in his progress. Is he going to participate in the offseason program? Is he going to be there for OTAs throwing, or is he not going to throw? You know, we saw Andrew Luck's shoulder thing, and oh, he's going to come back at this point and this point and this point, and it keeps going. Uh, so you hope Ben Roethlisberger's elbow is healing fine. He's going to be ready, at least be ready to throw at training camp and be ready to go. But you're right. When you start getting those injuries at a certain point in your late 30s, as a football player, especially as a quarterback, it's hard to bounce back from that. And they just seem to accumulate. They don't go away. And so we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger. I had him as my redemption candidate. I think if that elbow's healed, he's going to have a really good year. But it is a big question about just where he is and, and how good he's going to be with this injury, coming back from this injury, and then any injuries he might accumulate uh, coming into the season if he's able to get out there and be the quarterback that he has been his whole entire career, which is a very good one. And one of the strange rules of thumb that I have noticed in a lifetime of living in or within 100 miles of Pittsburgh, when the bar is high for the Steelers, they have a hard time meeting it. But when they get those years where nobody really expects anything, nobody knows what to make of the Steelers, nobody knows what to think of the Steelers, that's when it all falls together. And if Roethlisberger is healthy, and you think about it, of all the teams we're going to be circling as potential Super Bowl contenders in 2020, the Steelers aren't going to be one of them. And that's good news for the Steelers because historically, those are the years where they pull it together post the the, the great teams of the 70s. Since that era... It's been, hey, when there's no bar or when the bar is low, it all just fits and falls together right. It kind of happened last year. The bar was thrown away after the first two weeks of the season. The Steelers stink. They're 0-3. They they, they had to worry about being uh, worse than 5-11. They hadn't had fewer than five wins since 1969. Then they turned it around. They almost made it to the playoffs. They're going to be a potentially dangerous team this year if Roethlisberger is healthy. All right, we got to take a break. In one of these future years, Shireen, there's going to be 17 games. It may be coming as soon as 2021. Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals chairman, said some things about it earlier this week. The union continues to talk about it. All the latest on where the 17-game situation stands. And do fans really want it? And does it matter if they do? More PFT Live right after this. 
Michael Bidwell, Cardinals chairman, earlier this week, appearing on 98.7 FM in Phoenix, was discussing the issue of a 17th game, which really does feel inevitable. We'll get to that coming up. But he said this about 17 games. I think our fans would like more. We have surveyed our fans. We have surveyed our fans. That's an important point to remember. The health and safety data plays out that we can do 17 games, and it's not going to impact the safety and health of the players. Now, I I got curious when I saw that, Shireen, because and, – and if we hadn't had a poll last week on PFT's Twitter account, it may have just gone over my head. I may have thought, hey, they've surveyed their fans – And the fans want it. Yeah, why wouldn't they want it? They want more. Everybody wants more. But the poll we did last week, and this was by no means a push poll. This wasn't aimed at trying to get anyone to pick any specific outcome. Do you want a 17-game regular season? Yes, 38%. No, 62% plus. Uh, And I was stunned by the outcome. I was stunned by it because I just assumed people want it. And I wouldn't have thought anything about this survey that was mentioned by Michael Bidwell if we hadn't done our own Twitter poll and 56,000 plus that that's a pretty good sample size. And one thing we've learned over the years of doing these polls, the the trends that pop up in the first 500 to a thousand, those numbers, they pretty much stay the same, no matter how many people end up responding to the poll question. So Shereen, what I did was I asked the Cardinals and I asked the league, what's the, the, give me some details about the survey. I'm curious about this. What were the questions? How many people responded? And uh, both the league and the Cardinals acknowledged that it was anecdotal feedback, that there really hasn't been a survey. And that kind of surprises me. For something this big, right, for, for, for an expansion of the regular season, I, I guess they just assume maybe you don't need to do a survey. Maybe you don't need to do a poll. Maybe you just assume people are going to consume it. We're going to give you more football. And what are you going to do? Not watch it? Of course you're going to watch it. Another game involving your favorite team. Another opportunity to to play fantasy football. Another opportunity to gamble. Yeah, you're not going to say no to it. So I, I was just kind of surprised that they're citing a survey that they never did. And you take a step back, and the reality is you don't need to do a survey. People will consume an extra week of football. Mike, I voted in that poll, and I voted no. I don't want to see another week. Just think about this we got President's Day coming up on Monday. We'd be getting ready for the Super Bowl right now. We'd be in Miami or wherever the Super Bowl site was this week. Do you want the season to go that long? I have never heard any fan, and I am around fans a lot. I have never heard a fan say, I want more games. I want to see more football. I am shocked that they haven't done some surveys. I want to see player survey. Do you want the 17th game? And I think we all know how that survey is going to come out. I want to hear coaches surveyed because you know what? You're taking away, you're going to take away more of their off-season program by extending the season out. They're going to lose some of that. And we know coaches don't like losing practice time, which they're going to do. And I want to see fans surveyed. Do you want the 17th game? Think about the 17th week, the 16th game that we have now. This past season, we had some really dog games a lot of dog games more dog games than we had games that mattered we all think about that Tennessee game but there were some really bad games uh, that last week meaningless games coaches don't like to use that word but that's absolutely what they were they turned it they turned that last week into the preseason so now we're gonna have those last two weeks as preseason type games I just I don't like it, and I don't know many fans who like it. Have you you ever heard a fan say, I want more NFL football? 
No, no, they don't. But but the reality is, if they get more NFL football, they're not going to say no to it, especially as legalized gambling continues to spread. People want things that they can bet on. And as it relates to health and safety, Shireen, the NFL later pointed out to me that back in November, Dr. John York, the chairman of the 49ers, explained to The Athletic that they've determined that reducing the preseason by one game and increasing the regular season by a game will balance out any potential impact on health and safety. But here's the reality. If you expand the regular season to 17 games, the starters are playing 17 games. And the starters aren't playing preseason games as it is. They barely make a cameo appearance now. And it will be even less if they've got 17 regular season games to try to survive through. So I think that that we all get it as to what's going to happen here. The players who are good enough to play all the time are going to play an extra game. And of course they're going to have their health and safety impacted. You're adding an extra game to their workload. Well, Mike, you're asking the question, too, about, yeah, they're going to watch it. What's the saturation point for this league? Is there a saturation point? Because we know if they go to 17, they're going to 18. Is there a saturation point for this league? I think the saturation point's 20. And I hope they don't get to 20 in my lifetime. Although, maybe I, maybe I, I should say I hope they do, because I think eventually it will be 20, and maybe there'll be no preseason at all. Right? Hey, we play 20 games anyway. We don't need the preseason. These guys are in shape all year long. Let's throw them out there and make every game count. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. They want more games that count because as more and more states have legalized betting, there will be more. And I mean, we're talking about billions more in revenue for the NFL. That's what this is about. And it doesn't matter whether we want it. It doesn't matter whether the fans want it. It doesn't matter whether the players want it. They want it. They run the league. And it's coming. Coming up next... A little game of what's more likely. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. I want, I want, uh, I want Andy Reid to get a ring. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go Chiefs. Yeah. yeah, Sean did a great job of just completely oh, avoiding the, the question. Turned it on to it. color rush uniforms. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, he just he did everything he could. Well, to here's avoid the thing: we're playing both these teams next year, uh, the Saints. So, uh, yeah, I, right. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give it. Wait, wait, you just announced your decision. He's coming back. He's coming back, baby. We're playing. We're not playing the Saints. We're playing. Always the Saints. That was Drew Brees with us two weeks ago in Miami. We busted him. He prematurely admitted that he is coming back. We are playing the 49ers and the Chiefs next year. And look, he said a couple of weeks ago he's going to take a month or so and make a decision about whether or not he will return. He's only going to return for the Saints. Nobody else. I think he'll be back. I don't think he's going to retire. But until he says so, for sure. This isn't one of those Ben Roethlisberger attention ploys. All due respect, Ben. This is Drew Brees seriously contemplating whether or not he's going to return. So we lead off the first topic of what's more likely with Drew Brees and another guy who definitely will be changing teams if he continues his NFL career, and that's Phillip Rivers. Which quarterback is more likely to play two more years, Shireen? Is it Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers? Well, I don't think either one of them is going to play two more years. I think this is going to be the last year for both. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to go with Drew Brees. I just think he's playing better at his age. And I know he's, what, three years older than Phillip Rivers. But he's playing better at his age than Phillip Rivers is at his. Phillip Rivers had tied for the second most interceptions he ever thrown. Worst passer rating since 2012. I just didn't think he had a good year. And I don't know how much he has left and and Brees doesn't have a lot left either I understand that but I just think he's playing at a higher level has a better team around him and maybe Rivers goes somewhere and proves me wrong because he has more talent somewhere else 
Uh, but if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick Drew Brees, despite him uh, being older than Phillip Rivers. I agree with you. You know, my first thought was, well, Phillip Rivers says he wants to play two more years, but he said a maximum of two more years. And I think he's going to have a hard time finding a team that will hand him the keys to the car without any question, competition, possibility of drafting a rookie who would take over for Phillip Rivers and the contract that would have to go along with Phillip Rivers being the guy. I don't think it's going to be as automatic as some do. With Breeze, it's all up to him. If he wants to stay this year, they want him. If he wants to stay next year, they'll want him. They'll make it work. Now, they are going to have to deal with Taysom Hill's contract because they do believe, you know, everybody likes to go nuts on the idea that some think uh, Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback. There are plenty of people who don't. Well, I'll tell you who does. The Saints think that he can be a franchise quarterback, and at some point they want to turn the page from Breeze to Hill. But I think between Breeze and Rivers, Breeze is indeed more likely to play two more years. Although I'd bet the under, Shireen, on both guys if it came down to it. All right. which And this one on the surface, I looked at it and I said, why is this here? And then I thought about it and it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. This one makes some sense. Which receiver is more likely to get the franchise tag? A.J. Green of the Bengals or Amari Cooper of the Cowboys. And the reason I thought it was a little silly, it's like, wait a minute, we know Dak's getting the franchise tag, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe they get a deal done with Dak and they slap that tag on Amari Cooper. And I guarantee you, if they get a deal done with Dak, Cooper is getting that tag. So which is more likely to get tagged, Shereen Green or Cooper? Well, I don't think they get a deal done with Dak Prescott. So I think they're going to use the franchise tag on Dak Prescott. Uh, and then we'll use the other tag, the transition tag on um, Amari Cooper. They're, they can't let Amari Cooper walk away. They traded a first-round draft pick for him. They finally found uh, a franchise receiver to replace Des Bryant, which they hadn't seen from Des Bryant since 2014. Uh, and they finally feel like they have that guy, and they have Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and, and Ezekiel Elliott, and they have their triplets again. So they're not going to let Amari Cooper walk away, but I just don't think they're going to be able to use that franchise tag because of the fact that Dak Prescott's also scheduled to become a free agent, and I don't think they get this deal done in time to use the franchise tag on Amari Cooper. Yeah, I agree with you on that completely. I don't think they're going to get a deal done. And, you know, part of that urgency to get a deal done with Dak is to use the franchise tag on Amari Cooper, and, and that's part of the reality that Dak has been pushing back against. He's pushing back against everything the Cowboys are trying to do to convince him to do it. And I'm sure at some point along the way, Stephen Jones or Jerry Jones have said to Dak or his representatives, we'd like to get this deal done so we can tag Amari Cooper. And their reaction, I presume, has been, that's not our problem. That's your problem. So I think A.J. Green far more likely to be franchise tagged. And also as it relates to the Bengals, they, they, they don't want to make a long-term financial commitment to A.J. Green, but they don't want to lose A.J. Green yet. So I could see them being willing to tie up a fairly significant chunk of the salary cap on A.J. Green for one more year, and it would be one more year. And and I also think there's a possibility Green gets traded during the 2020 season under that franchise tag. Maybe they just see how the season goes. If it looks like things are going well, they keep him. If the season falls apart early, then I think he becomes a guy that could be traded uh, with that franchise tag salary applied to him. All right, which free agent running back is more likely to sign a new deal first, Derrick Henry of the Titans or Melvin Gordon of the Chargers? I thought this was a good one, but I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon since he is a free agent and we think he's going to get a deal coming up. The thing is, 
I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to get the contract that he thinks he's going to get. Of course, he held out last year wanting that big new contract, and I just don't think it's going to be what he thinks it's going to be. With You see what's happened with Todd Gurley with the deal he signed. It hasn't lived up to that. Ezekiel Elliott did not have as good of a year this year after holding out and, and coming back and playing. It, it just wasn't as good of a, a year. And so I, I think teams are seeing that, hey, we can win with some running backs that we don't have to pay this huge money to. So I just don't know who's going to go out and, and pay Melvin Gordon what he thinks he's worth. He's going to get a good deal. I just don't think it's going to be what he thinks it's going to be. And and the Titans, you know, they've got to sign Derrick Henry and eventually um, maybe he's going to hold out, whatever happens there. But there's not that urgency that there is with Melvin Gordon since he is a free agent to sign. And I think he's going to sign. I don't know that he's going to sign on the first day of free agency, but I think he's going to sign fairly early in free agency. You know, ordinarily, I would say if a team has a running back and a quarterback, both of whom are due to become free agents, it's the quarterback who would be franchise tag. But in Tennessee, between Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, with all the other options that are out there at quarterback, I think that the Titans are more likely to use the franchise tag on Derrick Henry, which would make him less likely to sign a new deal before Melvin Gordon, who, as you said, will be a free agent, will be in a position where he can sign a deal early. Now, it could be that he hates the offers that he gets so much that he decides to wait, which would be a mistake. You're never going to get more money than you're going to get in those first few days of free agency. So you have to have your agent ready to go out there in the middle of that land rush and stake a flag in the ground and get you the most possible money that he can. But I think that's the one thing that has me hesitate on Gordon. There is a chance Gordon's just going to say, no, I don't want any of these deals. But he's going to be in position to sign a deal before Henry because Gordon is going to be on the market. Henry's going to get the franchise tag, which is going to be about 10 or $11 million, which is a heck of a lot more than he's ever made. But, uh, you know, it's not that long-term, long-term big money payday that he's going to want. But you're right. The performance of Ezekiel Elliott, I think, is going to cause the Titans to maybe shy away from making a long-term major commitment in Derrick Henry because the last thing you want to do is give a running back big money and ultimately end up paying them for things they've already done, not things that they're doing now and in the future. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and you know, with, with Elliott, the fact that he held out, you don't want your running back hold, holding out. You especially don't want your quarterback holding out, which we, the Cowboys have with potentially with Dak Prescott. But we saw it with Elliott. He trained and supposedly trained really hard in Cabo, and it just isn't the same thing. And when he came back, he wasn't the same guy for whatever reason, and maybe that was part of it. But you you want your guys in camp, and so to, to do that, they either need to accept the franchise tag or you need to get a long-term deal done to have the team you think you're going to have and have those players ready to go when the season starts. Ryan Tannehill potentially not returning to Tennessee is just another one of those, those examples of the chaos that could be coming in this year's quarterback free agency carousel. And any other year, it would be possibly the biggest story of the offseason. But with so many other names, so many other guys, it's just kind of a a mid-level story this year. But it's got huge ramifications for the Titans because if they don't have Tannehill, they need somebody else. Which veteran tight end is more likely to return for another season? Jason Witten, most recently with the Cowboys, or Greg Olson, most recently with the Panthers? I really thought Jason Witten was going to retire for good and go into coaching, but 
The, the Giants and the Cowboys both have filled those coaching vacancies at tight ends, and I guess they could get him in as some sort of offensive assistant or something along those lines. But I really think at this point that he's coming back, that if he didn't commit to becoming a coach, I'm sure he's training and getting ready, that I think Jason Witten is going to come back and play again. Might not be with the Cowboys. I think it's probably more likely to be with the Giants. He'll follow uh, his former head coach, Jason Garrett, to the Giants. But I think he is going to play another season. And and Greg Olson, you know, I think there's a chance he could go into TV. I, I think he's weighing that right now. I know he, they said he might have a decision today. But TV seems to be calling his name. So I, I'm going to go with Jason Witten on this one because I think he's committed to playing another year. I think it's going to be Greg Olson. He's in the process of visiting with teams, and Fox likes him enough that they will put a pin in it for one more year as it relates to him doing NFL games. He's doing XFL games now, getting good reviews for that. He'll probably do them again next year, and then that leads into him being uh, part of their NFL coverage come 2021. All right, speaking of the XFL, what is more likely to last longer, the XFL or Tim Tebow's remaining baseball career? I'm going to go with the XFL on this one. I mean, Tebow's struggling there at the AAA level. I think it says a lot about him and his athleticism that he's able to make it this far. But that batting average is under the Mendoza line. And his age, he's getting up there in his his young 30s. And and that's getting up there when you haven't played in the major leagues yet. So the XFL is going to be around at least two years. And the way it looks, I think people have kind of bought in. I'm hearing a lot of people say, Hey, did you watch the XFL on the first weekend? Now, the second weekend and the third weekend to me are the key weekends. Are people still going to tune in in that second home game that these teams have? Are people still going to show up at the stadium? Or was it just a novelty, a one-week thing? But people are starting to kind of talk about the XFL right now, at least around here. And so I think that's a good sign for the XFL's long-term future. I'm tempted to say Tebow's baseball career, though, just because it shouldn't have lasted as long as it has. And and there's a business reason for it. He he sells tickets. He sells jerseys. He creates excitement. People want to come out and see him play, whatever level of the minor leagues he's at. And, and I feel like, based upon some things that were said by Mets executives within the past two years, it's just a matter of time before they wedge him onto the Mets in uh, September when they do the call-ups, when the rosters expand, or or just find a spot for him. Get him on the, get him on, get, if it gets an extra 5,000 people to show up every game, then it's worth it. And I don't know that it would be quite that many on a regular basis, but my point is, this is ultimately an entertainment business, and if you can attract more people to your, to your ballpark on a given day because you have Tim Tebow, there's value in that. But I'm still going to go with the XFL. I, I'm, I'm, Shereen, I am trying not to get emotionally invested in the XFL. I have been a naysayer. I have poo-pooed it. I don't want to get my heart broken again. I don't want to get myself fired up about a sports league, a football league, that that can be very entertaining, that could be a nice little uh, a nice little respite from the NFL. Uh, I, I just, I guess it'll be the XFL. I guess it will be. I just hope it doesn't last long enough for me to say I'm all in with the XFL and then it disappears. That's what I fear is going to happen. We'll find out whether or not that happens. We're going to take a break when we return. What's going to happen with Eric Bieniemy? Is he going to Colorado? Is he staying with the Chiefs? Is he waiting until next year to become a head coach in the NFL? 
We'll break down his options and give you all the latest on the sudden vacancy in Colorado and their interest in bringing their all-time leading rusher back to Boulder. More PFT Live right after this. It was an obvious exercise in dot connecting when Mel Tucker left Colorado to go to Michigan State. Colorado has a vacancy. Eric Bieniemy is a coach. He's Colorado's all-time leading rusher. Colorado has reached out reportedly twice now to Bieniemy, who is, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, doing his due diligence when it comes to possibly becoming the head coach at Colorado. I I would be stunned if he goes. And I think he's just being nice and he's being respectful and it's his former school and he doesn't want, want to just hang up the phone on them, Shireen. But he's in the pipeline to be an NFL head coach. I think if you go coach at Colorado, which has become a stepping stone school for Michigan State, apparently, you step out of the pipeline to be an NFL head coach. I don't think that Eric Bannemi stays at the st- at the top of the list of NFL coaching candidates for 2021 if he leaves the Chiefs now and goes to Colorado which makes me convinced he's not going to leave. Well, do we know that Eric Bieniemy wants to become an NFL head coach more than a college head coach? I don't know that. I'm assuming that, but I don't know that for sure. And when your alma mater calls, you have to go back and at least listen and consider it. And maybe he's gotten to the point, too, where he just says, look, I've been passed over and passed over and passed over. I'm tired of this. I'm going to go be a head coach, whether it's for one year or five years or ten years or a lifetime, uh, maybe he's reached that point. Again, though, I would be surprised if he took this job. He he should be. Now, I, I thought he would get a head coaching job in this hiring cycle, and he didn't, but he should get one in 2021. He should have gotten one in 2020. He didn't. He should get one in 2021. So if he wants to become an NFL head coach, the route to that is to stay in Kansas City, not to go to Colorado. But if he just wants to become a head coach – Going back to your alma mater makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, if you know if if the NFL is not calling for you and you, that is not something that you definitely want to do, you just want to be a head coach. The idea that he could get exasperated at some point by being passed over for NFL head coaching opportunities, I get that, but it's only been two cycles that he's been an offensive coordinator and then in that mix and in that discussion for potential head coaching opportunities. So I think his ship will come in at the NFL level at some point. And the other aspect and very basic reality is this. I'm not leaving the side of Patrick Mahomes. No way, no how. I already got a Super Bowl ring from the experience. I may get a second one. And the one thing I want to know, I want to have that heart-to-heart with Andy Reid. How long do you plan on coaching? I'm trying to just, I'm, I'm trying to get my my information. Is there? Can you Can you shed some light? Are you looking at five years? Are you looking at 10 years? It's fine. You stay however long you want. I just want to know so I can make my plans. And, uh, you know, if Andy Reid, if there's any chance that, you know, he's going to retire at 65, that's a factor for me. Maybe I just hang around here. Maybe I say no to these other head coaching opportunities, college and pro, because if there's a chance to be Patrick Mahomes head coach for five to 10 years, that's a hell of a lot better than coaching anywhere else. Don't you think Eric Bieniemy deserved a head coaching job in this cycle that he that he's done enough and he was a great candidate for, for all these teams? I mean, I think he should have gotten one in this cycle. When I look at the coaches who were hired, he should have been one of those guys. Well, I and yeah, Sims and I have talked about this. I don't think Kevin Stefanski should have been hired by the Browns. I don't think Kevin Stefanski has done enough in one year and two or three games as an offensive coordinator to make me think he's 
a can't-miss, surefire, deserving head coaching candidate, especially because the best thing about the Vikings' offense this year was Gary Kubiak, not Kevin Stefanski. And the Gary Kubiak is the guy that Mike Zimmer singled out and said Kubiak is the best decision I've made since becoming head coach of the Vikings, not Stefanski. So uh, at a minimum, he should be the head coach of the Browns. Now, some of these other jobs, I mean, Joe Judge versus Eric Bieniemy. I, you could say be enemy, but you know the the I think the the the, the challenge is now it didn't help uh, keep Doug Peterson or Matt Nagy from becoming head coaches, but the idea that you're the offensive coordinator for an offensive mastermind, it makes it harder to stand out. Look, Pete Carmichael's been Sean Payton's offensive coordinator all these years. His name never gets mentioned for head coaching jobs anywhere. The fact that Andy Reid has created this coaching tree of offensive guys when he's an offensive guy is kind of remarkable. But I think at a minimum, Shereen, to finally answer your question, he should be the head coach of the Browns right now. I agreed with that. I think he should be there with the Browns, and he's not. And if he waits, he will be somewhere in 2021 for sure. If not Colorado in 2020, we'll see how it plays out. Another hour of PFT Live still to come. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.